transition that's coming, but transformation is required. Sometimes that transformation is simply obeying what God has told you to do. And I'm thinking about the three wise men, Doc, when the Lord said, go back another way. You can't keep doing things the same old way and get a change in your life. Come on now. You know the Holy Spirit speaks. So what is the Holy Spirit saying? He's saying, I want you to trust me. I can get you through the transition. Matter of fact, the transition is planned by God or known by Maybe not planned. You maybe go through some. And then the next thing that I heard, what transformation of work, transforming us is sometimes, how many know we're transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. And the Holy Spirit has to come and renew my mind. I had to begin to think like Jesus, think like God. Kingdom thoughts. And God has to put the, he said the kingdom of God is within us, but I've got to have it within me, and I've got to start letting my flesh do things God's way so that miracle God things can happen in my life. And the next word I heard was strength. And it was almost like some of the Lord, someone saying, Lord, praying, Lord, give me strength to get trans, to go through this transition and transform me. Sometimes we need strength to go on. Come on. I need strength to go on. Can somebody say, I need strength to go on? If you need it, just say, I need strength to go on. And his strength is available. Call on me in the day of trouble, and I will lift you up. Amen. And Paul said, I pray that God might strengthen you. Who, who strengthens us? I pray that God might strengthen you. Amen. With the power of his might. Amen. And on the inner man. It starts here and ends up here. Amen. Amen. Let the Lord work in your heart today. There's, how many think the Holy Spirit's moving here today? You can be seated, stand. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you'd be seated for one second, I want to give them the rest of the time here. Amen. And uh, Doc, I'd like for you to take just a couple minutes, if you would. And uh, I know you know we could. He could. Share, we shared last. What was it? I've been with you all day Friday from eleven o'clock till nine or ten o'clock, and then I was with you yesterday from a lot. And we got home last night about ten or ten thirty. And uh, if God calls you out, it's going to take some going. I just say, well. I'm going to do it slower, maybe, but I'm going to get it done. Come on. Hallelujah. Would you want to, uh, you, I'm just going to give you this microphone, so he's going to stand up right here, sure, and face the music, he said. <laughs> stand up and face the music. Amen. Three months ago, they said I was going to be dead, and God brought the word of the Lord that came to Sister Nancy and I for years. Well, hello, everybody. My God. Oh, it's so good to see you again. Oh, my, my, my. Oh, now you're going to make me cry. Hallelujah. I don't want to take any undue time, but I want to say Nancy sent her love. My Nancy did. She loves you folks, and she loves the Greenwoods and we, we left some of us here, and, and we left a, a whole lot of God. Whew. Whew. I felt, Whew. he's here. He's here. And he's working. And, and I'm expecting to hear good things from you. I'm expecting to hear better than you've ever thought or dreamed. I'm expecting people to come in. I 
it's, it's a joy to see those hands raised that you weren't in the church until I came. That's a, that's a glorious testimony to me. How many were healed during that revival? Miraculously healed. Let me see. Let me see your hand. Good God. Hallelujah. Well, he hadn't changed. And he's not going to change. And to, and to move from uh, into, the, into the flow that was by the Spirit here. The word of the Lord said, you've got to hear this. Please open your, your, your spiritual ears and tune in. You need to hear this. That the church is going, Christians are going from, listen to it, from glory Somebody, somebody say, we're going from glory. How many has had glory in your life and you know it? You don't, you, don't, you don't go on without leaving that behind. Because you've got to go from glory to glory. You've got to go from the familiar into the will of God, presence of God, to glory. You never leave glory. But he's planned that you go from to. Thank God for transition. I'm telling you there is a spirit of transition in this house. What you had before was wonderful. And what you had before was marvelous. And sometimes it was amazing. But what you're going to get will dim that we're coming into the day of absolute restoration of the church we're coming into the day where, where people do what preachers only used to do hallelujah where there's a revival in every hand the, the Shoney's or whatever nice restaurant y'all got Shoney's restaurant uh, I love to have revival in the Shoney's it works there just like it does in the pulpit of a great church. The power of God fell in the show in his church. Me and Nancy just sitting talking about the Lord. And the angels hovering over trying to hear what we're saying. <laughs> Hallelujah. The presence of God came in the place. Well, am I telling you that happens? Yeah. That happens. That's what God said. You start talking about the Lord. Here come the angels. Hello, angels. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, power of, the power of the Lord came in. As we talked, and the glory of the Lord came, and people started coming to our table. Uh, who are you? Are you a preacher? Are you a minister? Do you pray for people? Yes. Pray for me. God gave <laughs> miracles in that place. One dear man came up with, with crutches, said just tears in his eyes. He says, oh, I've been asking God to heal me, but I haven't been able to get around anybody to even talk about it, let alone. Uh, do you all pray for people? I said, you got it, brother. Hallelujah. I said, give me your hand. And I sat right there. I didn't even stand up. I sat right there and said, right now, Lord, give him a miracle. Halabasota, heal him. He began to shake. Put his one crutch in his other hand. Said, oh, my pain's gone. My pain's gone. And he preached four sermons there about what God had done and how glorious he was. 
Hallelujah. And he walked through Shoney, still preaching. And Shoney stopped and glorified God. Because, now some of them didn't know what they were doing, but they did it anyway. And he goes, out in the, he goes out in the parking lot, and we thought we was rid of him, for goodness sake. That fanatic person. And he got out there, and he was still shouting with crutches in one hand, jumping up and down. Look at me, like a little child. He was in his 80s. Look at me. Look at me. God, heal my body in Shoney's. What a fantastic, fantastic blessing. From glory to glory. And it's not without reason. Hallelujah. Thank you, Doc. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank the Lord for our friends, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints, to perfect the saints. Amen. Do the work of the ministry. Amen. And to edify the saints. Amen. Every part doing its part, supplying. Supplying. Turn around and tell somebody, say, do you know you're a supplier? <laughs> In Jesus' name. God bless you. I'm going to bring to you Chuck and Helen Todd, such wonderful people. We don't know them well. In the flesh, but we know them well in the spirit. Amen. And just feel the love of God the minute we met them and uh, fell in love with their ministry and the people of God there. Three sisters that were in their eight, eight, 80s, 90s. 90s. The last mission trip they were on was. They came back from Lebanon. They just came back from Lebanon. Turn around and tell somebody, you ain't too old yet. <laughs> Three of them. Triplets. Well, not triplets because one's older than the other two. Twins. Two twins. Yeah, well, two of them are twins. Yeah, she prophesied over me. Yes, she did. She prophesied. Did she say you're going? No, she didn't say I was going to Lebanon. Brother, the brother of the priest, though, did. And, uh, and I would have went. There's a long story behind that. Two days before we went to where I was obligated to, I had these people. I could have went if I had went by faith. So uh, God bless you. Thank you. And I'm sorry I missed that, Lord. <laughs> God bless you. Chuck and Helen Todd, great people. WMA, World Missions Alliance. His dad was Cecil Todd back in the 70s and 80s. I know of because I watched him on TV. Still he is. Still got revival ministries. Oh, my, I didn't know that. Well, God bless you. And he's in these 80s too, isn't he? And still preaching strong. I heard him minister down there. God bless you. They're wonderful people. God's servants. God's servants. And I'm, I'm lingering on purpose because I see the hand of God. It's a, I, sense, I don't see a literal hand, but I sense a huge hand of his favor on you from behind. That the blessings of the Lord are resting upon you. And you know they don't leave, they don't depart. But God said, I'm getting ready to open doors that have never been opened before. And I'm going to send you places that I've prepared a harvest. <laughs> I've got laborers ready to go forth. Resources coming forth because the ministry is of the Lord. A go-ye ministry is from Christ himself. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him, they would not perish. And then he said, just go ye. Make disciples and baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that I've told, taught you. Amen. God bless uh, Chuck and Helen Todd. Will you greet them and prepare your say, Lord, prepare my heart, prepare my mind, my ears, my will, and my spirit. In Jesus' name, I want everything you've got for me. And I bless them in the name of the Lord. Give them everything they need as well in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yes. Hallelujah. It is such an honor and privilege for us to be here today. We are so excited. Am I not on? Am I on now? Hallelujah. I'm still excited. Um, 
Still honored to be here. I, it is so, such, we've been looking forward to this for a very long time. And I tell you what, we are just fresh back from Lebanon. And uh, actually, I have a friend of ours who just came with us. Morgan, if you'd stand up for a second real quick. Morgan McCaslin is here. He went with us from, um, to Lebanon. He worked at the medical clinic. You can talk to him. I know he's seen some miracles there also. But what God's hand is doing, actually, one, at least one of you has been praying for us, and I appreciate that, because they looked at us and said, why are you here? Aren't you supposed to be in Madova? And I said, well, we have a team in Madova right now. Actually, Morgan has his daughters in Madova with us right now there, and God's word is being proclaimed. And I'll tell you, I've heard so many people say, oh, talk about the good old days. Well, the good old days pale in comparison to what's going on today right here, right now. Never in history has so much, been be, so much been going on for God as going on right now. God's Spirit is being poured out upon all flesh like it's never been done before. In the 2,000-year history of Christianity, never, never has so many people been coming to Christ, calling upon the name of the Lord, as going on right here, today, right now. We are living in the greatest time in the history of the world. Never before has so many people had the opportunity to influence so many others in different cultures as right here, right now. Doc, I thought was going to come and step on what I was going to say, Phil, say, but he's saying the same thing. He's saying that the people, the average people, be doing more now. He'd say, I heard, you heard him say just a few minutes ago that more now than what preachers could done in years, years ago. God, we are living in the most exciting time in the history of the world. We've had, God has given us such privilege to see so many things that he is doing. I've had the opportunity to sit in the throne that Saddam Hussein sat in, held his sword, put on his, his uh, ceremonial crown. I've, set, I've even seen, Morgan and I just last month, we've seen the throne of Jezebel. But it's still there, it's left over. We have seen, the, we have, I have uh, uh, snorkeled in the Gulf of Aqaba, which is right up from where many people believe that um, Moses crossed the Red Sea into the Promised Land. We have, we have swam in the Dead Sea. We've been to the Jordan River. We've been in the Sea of Galilee. We have seen many places and been many places where God has performed great and mighty miracles. But what I'm looking forward to see is God's church rise up for God's church here in America to take the position and the anointing that God has so called it to do, to take the authority around all the world. God is looking to and fro for somebody to just do his will. If you don't do his will, you will not hold God captive. God is going to do what God is going to do, but it would be so great if he uses you to do it, if he uses us to do it. He is looking for a church. He is looking for people. And I pray that the church in America will humble itself, will pray, will seek its face, God's face, and turn from our wicked ways. And we'll see what God will do in this nation, in this time, in this hour. God is looking for a church to rise up. God is looking for people that will listen to his command and go into all the world. And if we won't do it, he will go somewhere else. God's will will be done. And he's going to bless those who do it. And I just pray that it's me. I pray that it's you. And we're, and again, I'm, we're just start getting started because God, there's so much that we've witnessed God do in this last, just in the last few weeks that we want to share with you some things and just to encourage you because these are things you're not going to see on CNN or MSNBC. But um, 
right now I would love to introduce my wife, Helen, and uh, she's, she's going to share a little with you. Well, I agree with Chuck. It's, it's a treasure for us to be back um, at your church, Resurrection Life. We, I think it was about the same time last year that we were here, and we were just so impressed by the spirit that you have in the church, by your worship, you know, the way you worship God, and the, we spoke with some of you after the service. How many of you remember uh, Chuck and I speaking last year? Quite a few of you. Well, that's exciting. So it, it's been really a privilege for us to be invited back. And, you know, when we were here last time, Pastor Jack is right. We have not known each other for a length of time and uh, haven't spent a long time together. But when we were here last time, God really showed us the anointing that is on Pastor Jack. And so we invited him. Yes, give your pastor amen. a big amen. All right. So we felt compelled to invite him to preach at our annual conference in Branson. And I'm telling you, he brought the house down. I mean, the anointing was all over him. And many of WMA people just met him for the first time and heard him for the first time. But uh, his spirit just went so along with the spirit of what World Missions Alliance is all about. And so I'm telling you... Every year from now on, he's not going to be here one weekend. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, actually, he won't have to miss a Sunday because we don't hold our conference over Sunday. But we want him back at our conference, and, and we were just blessed by his ministry. And so our next vision for him is to join one of our mission teams in God's timing. Brother Jack, I don't believe you missed anything by not being in Lebanon because God is the God of perfect timing. And you are his servant. You are in tune in his will. You haven't missed a thing. You're going to be there when he appoints you and purposes for you to be so no regrets I know that you were there with us in prayers and uh, we just look forward to that day when you will come I know both sister Lynn and brother Jack are very passionate about the Great Commission and that's the reason why so many of you are so really um, you know just to, for those of you who have not met us before, to give you a brief overview of World Missions Alliance, we really have a twofold purpose. Number one, of course, is to take the gospel to the nations, and particularly the nations that are today considered the hot spots, the nations where the gospel and Jesus are either forbidden or it's extremely difficult uh, to share Christianity. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit later why uh, God positioned us like that. But Number two, and it's just as important, is to see, for us, is to see church, you, hands-on involved in, the every, in every aspect of the Great Commission. Because it is, it is extremely important for us as a church. The Great Commission was not given to a certain group of people within the church. It was given to all of us as Christians. None of us is exempt. You know, I want to highlight Morgan. I hope you don't mind, Morgan, that we're just um, going to spotlight you a Picking little bit. <laughs> um, by the way, he's from the area. He lives here in the area. He's your neighbor, so do get to know him. But, you know, Morgan is a great example um, of an individual who fully understands the priority and significance of the Great Commission because he has every excuse in the world not to be involved. He's very faithful to his church. He's very active within the ministries within his church. Um, he is a father of five children, 
and he's a widowed father of five children. So pretty much he was raising them by himself. He runs a very successful business. So you tell me, where does he find time to be hands-on, involved in the Great Commission and go half across the world? And I've lost count already of how many mission trips he has gone on. But, you know, Morgan firsthand has experienced what the Great Commission is all about. And if we're not willing to get involved, we're missing out big time. I also want to recognize um, a young man that drove two hours this morning just to be here with us. James, stand up. He's a student at Lincoln Christian University and has a big passion for missions. So we're excited that he took time and came here to hear us. So wanted to welcome him. But, uh, you know, I, um, I'm excited for my husband to share with you uh, what God is doing today in the Middle East, not from the viewpoint of the news media, but from God's viewpoint, because this is, this is going to be important personally for every one of you. But before uh, I turn it over to him, I want to say something about the Great Commission and mention a scripture that maybe you have not thought of as a mission scripture. But you know what? Every verse in the Bible is a mission scripture. Missions is what the Word of God is all about. Amen. Amen. And so I want you to think of Matthew chapter 5, a very foundational chapter uh, in the Bible, you know, foundational for our faith. And, and from the very beginning, um, it's Jesus teaching on Beatitudes, you know, and, and these verses uh, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, he's blessing our weakness. You know, he recognizes um, our weakness and blesses it and tells us uh, that this weakness is going to be turned into something that is very beneficial for us. But right after that, he speaks into our strength. He empowers us. And this is what I uh, love about the Great Commission. The Great Commission is not a chore that God imposes on our dollars to give a monthly, you know, donation to missions or a chore that he imposes on us to be involved in missions hands-on and travel across the world. The Great Commission is the most empowering aspect of Christianity and, and uh, Jesus speaks right after the Beatitudes and speaking into our weakness he, he empowers us he says you're the salt of the earth and then he says you're the light of the world I, I can't imagine anything more empowering than this verse when he tells us that we are the light do you know that the light does not fight darkness the light cancels darkness. Just the presence of the light itself eliminates darkness. So when Jesus says, you're the light of the world, we have to think deep into what he's actually telling us. That, that with all of our imperfections, all of our weaknesses that he just spoke about, he, he acknowledges that he put that power in us to cancel out darkness. And, and this is what the Great Commission is all about, is us acknowledging that we have that power and that we're going to use that power and that we're going to cancel the darkness that is happening around the world. So why on earth would we want to miss out on that and assign that privilege to certain people within our church whom we call missionaries and then we're going to just pray for them and support them? Don't get me wrong. Prayer and support, I'm not diminishing the significance of it. 
each one of those is the aspect of the Great Commission. I'm just talking about us being involved in all three aspects of it. It's praying when it's a season to pray, giving when it's a season to give, and going when it's a season to go. And I believe that every Christian... Every single one of us, if we call ourselves by the name of Jesus, is to experience every aspect of the Great Commission just for us to be whole in Him. You know, church is a place where we bring our hurts and our weaknesses. Yes, church is a hospital for the broken souls and broken spirits. But you know what? Once our spirits start to get healed, we have to act as the people who are healed and help heal others. You know, we can't just come over and over to receive the healing. We need to start giving that healing to others. And this is what the Great Commission is all about. Be healed and then help others be healed. So it's just as important as coming to church every Sunday or Wednesday or even on special events, you know. It's just as important as giving out and giving that healing to others. And, and you know, this is the exciting part of the Great Commission is that when we're being sent out and when we are telling God, here I am, I know that I'm very imperfect, I sin every day, and I have to have your repentance, your forgiveness for my sins each day. I'm weak, I'm frail maybe physically, I'm definitely frail spiritually, I'm, um, I don't have perhaps any visible talents. So you come to God just as you are, and you say, Lord, I believe that with all of this baggage that I'm dragging with me on a daily basis, you can still use me. Yeah. You can still use me in a nation that I know nothing about. Sometimes I maybe didn't know it existed a few months prior. And I don't speak the language. And I don't know these people. I don't know their problems, their issues. But I'm here because you called me to be here. Use me, Lord. Use me. And then watch God do the work through you. Because it's not you. It's God. You're just providing a vessel for Him. You're providing an opportunity for God to show His power. Why would we want to miss out on something like that? And the reason I'm saying this and sharing this with you is because I know this from my personal experience. And those of you who remember us from last year, you remember uh, my story. You know, I speak with an accent. It's not from the Ozarks. Uh, And it's as Pastor Jack said, I was born and raised in Russia in the former Soviet Union, and you know, I never take for granted the privilege to be in church on Sunday, because the country where I was growing up, there were no churches, churches were forbidden, Bible was forbidden, Jesus was forbidden, God was forbidden, how ridiculous is that, who can forbid God, isn't that hilarious, but, but, It was forbidden for people to believe in God. And so I was growing up in this environment where there was no opportunity for me to be saved, seemingly. But God is above any any rules and rulers that don't recognize him. He is so much above that. And if your heart is seeking after him, it doesn't matter where you are. If your heart is wanting God, it doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter who surrounds you, what you are being taught, who is influencing you. God is above all this. And so in his mercy and in his grace, he sent a couple from America in the 80s 
to go to Russia, to, the, to Moscow, and smuggle gospel tracts. And, uh, I, you know, I think of how brave these people were. In those days, people from America didn't go as tourists to Russia. Um, you know, for sure they didn't take gospel tracts with them to Russia. It was highly illegal to do that. But they did, I believe, because God told them to do so. And, and they put God above KGB, and they put God above communism and and they said okay god if you're telling me to do so i'm willing to do this and so then they passed out these gospel tracts they didn't get to meet me they handed it to my brother and but he brought this gospel track home and at the age of 14 for the first time in my life i read that not only god was real but he loved me so much that he allowed his son to die on the cross and i didn't have to earn his love he already loved me all i had to do was just open my heart and that's what I did. I didn't need anybody to uh, teach me what to do. I just read the printed word of God and, and I opened my heart and I said, Jesus, I want you. I want your love coming to my heart. And I was 14 years old at the time. I didn't know that uh, when I grow up, God is going to use me to do the same for people in Iraq and Egypt and Ethiopia and Nepal and Indonesia, that he's going to remove all the barriers before our ministry and send us to the nations that nobody thought you could go and preach the gospel and, and allow me to see people just like myself who didn't know about God or were afraid to accept Jesus come to the knowledge of him. And who am I? Just a girl that grew up in the communist Russia. But, but see, God takes us just as we are. If we're willing to believe that nothing is impossible for him, if we're willing to acknowledge how powerful and magnificent he is, and if we want more of him. You know, I appreciate so much, Doc, what you said. I mean, I, I believe God brought you here for a purpose on that Sunday when we're here, just, just to confirm, you know, the message that he has for the church this morning morning is that the, the key is do you want more of him do you want more of what he has to offer do you want what he has for you outside this beautiful church and this wonderful loving family that you have do you want more then you just have to stretch out your hand and take what he has and see and experience his goodness and experience his power I'm leading on to what Chuck will share with you now but you know, we went to Lebanon by accident. Well, how many of you believe God does not have accidents, okay? Um, well, it wasn't an accident. We actually wanted to visit um, a friend of ours in ministry, our pastor, the pastor of our church in Iraq that we started back in 2007. Because of how effective he was in his ministry, he had to flee Iraq as a refugee. They threatened the life of his young son. Uh, they threatened his family. And so he had to flee his home country, Iraq, and, and go to Lebanon and live there as a refugee for almost two years, completely uncertain of how he's going to survive and what's going to happen to his, him next. He grieved the loss of his ministry, his church. Um, he, he grieved that. Um, and, and he felt like maybe his life is finished, you know, his, his purpose, because this church was his purpose. It was the love of his life. Uh, outside of his family and and so um, 
you know, we were heading uh, to Israel, t taking a team to Israel, and we thought, well, Lebanon is so close to Israel, we're going to go and encourage him and pray with him. And so we came uh, to visit him, and uh, granted, his circumstances are difficult. You know, his future is very uncertain, but he said, come with me, I want to show you something. He brings us to a church that is right next to a little apartment that they are renting with their life savings. And so this church, uh, it was a Tuesday night, <clears throat> not a church service day, but, but the um, sanctuary was packed with people. There was no place, no empty spot on a Tuesday night. And, and uh, these people, uh, more than half of them were women, and I don't know what it is about the world today, but no matter where we go, there's always more women in the church than men. Don't know what's happening. <laughs> but anyway, um, there were a lot of women uh, there in the congregation, and most of them were wearing head covers. They were Muslim women who had just accepted Jesus. And he said, I just want you to see what God is doing in this country of Lebanon. Because, you know, Lebanon received more refugees than many other countries uh, around the world. It's a small country, but today half of population of Lebanon are refugees from Syria and Iraq. Can you imagine how many people they have taken in? And so most of these people, they are Muslims. You know, they're escaping crisis in Syria. They are escaping ISIS in uh, Iraq because ISIS is not just persecuting Christians. They persecute Muslims too who don't believe the same way they do, that they believe. And so most of these refugees are Muslims. And they find themselves... They lost their homes. They lost everything, all of their possessions. They have no future. They find themselves in the country that is kind of Muslim, but kind of Christian. Lebanon is um, actually has quite a large Christian population, and their government is Christian. So they don't have the Sharia law. They don't have the law that uh, uh, orders a Muslim to kill uh, another Muslim who converted. So they don't have the fear of death, basically. And at that point... They find themselves at liberty to choose what they believe in. And so in masses, these Muslim people who are being preached the gospel by our refugee pastor and the Lebanese pastors, they're accepting Jesus. Now here's news for you that you're not going to hear on CNN or other news media uh, when you watch it. There are Muslim people in Lebanon accepting Jesus in large numbers. And, and they attend church, and they learn about God. And so their tragedy is suddenly being turned from the ashes, you know, of, of having lost everything into a glorious future. Because let me tell you, and Morgan will share with you, you know, our team blessed these refugees, and we gave them food, and we gave them other necessities. But that stuff is perishable. It's going to be eaten. It's going to be used, you know. That stuff will pass. But them receiving Jesus into their lives will never pass. And you know, the refugee crisis is so huge, nobody can solve it. United Nations cannot solve it. The U.S. government cannot solve it. There is no, no um, entity in this world that can solve this massive crisis of millions and millions of people that have been displaced. But you know what? I know someone who can solve their problems. And as long as they can recognize him as their solution, I have no concerns 
about their future. And so there is something glorious that God is doing. And he wants us as the church, as Christians, to be part of it. He empowered us to be the light. He empowered us to cancel the darkness. Why would we not use that power? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I want to tell you one of the most exciting things that we saw when we went into Lebanon was, believe this or not, there were people, Muslims, accepting Christ. Oh, wait a minute, you already said that, right? <laughs> no, this truly, though, it, it, it was something unbelievable. As my wife had mentioned, over half the population right now in a nation. Can you imagine in this nation, if your city suddenly, half of all of you was a refugee, Somebody who's without, without, they've just been uprooted, has their homes lost, everything is lost. And I'll tell you something, what Satan is after here and around the world is the stealing a generation. He's trying to steal, if you steal a generation, you have the nation. Uh, We've seen Satan do that here in America. They're trying to steal a generation by getting God out of the public schools, removing prayer and Bible reading, doing different things so they can steal the generation. You don't have to worry about everyone else. They steal the children. This refugee crisis that's going on around the world right now, it's what's one part that's overlooked that we've seen in Lebanon was the child, the children. They're being stolen. Now, Lebanon has an advantage in the Middle East, of, has a reputation of having the greatest education system in the Middle East, and, which is a little bit consistent because Lebanon is considered a Christian nation. Now, understand when we say this, you may have heard me say this before, Christian in the Middle East does not mean a born-again believer does not mean a believer in Christ necessarily. They use, for that term, they would use the word believer. A Christian there just means a culture. It means a, and in some places in the Middle East, it means a set of laws that they, that they are, will have to be held accountable to. There's some places in the Middle East that have different legal codes. If you're a Muslim, you have to follow this set of laws. If you're a Christian, you follow this set of laws. So if, if a policeman will arrest you, he'll look and see in your ID It'll mention if you're a Christian or a Muslim, and then you have to be held accountable to the law that's in your ID. Um, these things are a little hard for us to understand. I mean, we can't even understand. Ra- the debate in America seems to be which bathroom we're allowed to go through. So having this kind of concept would be a real confusing thing. So um, I'm sorry. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but... Uh, this, 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 our problems are different. Let's put it this way. Our problems are very different. So what they're, they're going through this, um, uh, which has been historic throughout the world and, and throughout history, Christianity brings in education. And so it, uh, Lebanon, being consistent with that, they have a higher education standard than most of the other Middle Eastern countries. So, but these children that are coming in, now half the population there are refugees. Half these refugees have been in trauma, many of them without homes and have been stuck in their country for a long time before they left. Their children now, and this is something that for some reason, it's obvious, but I had not given thought till we went to Lebanon and seen it. These children now, just think about it, at critical times in their development, they may go two years with no school. Two years out going to school, the schools may be bombed, they may have been blown up, they may be being in transition from one place to another, they have no formal education. Satan's stealing a generation. And they get to Lebanon, they're not allowed to go to the school because they don't meet the criteria. Lebanon has a very strict criteria, they're too far back. And, or you may have a um, 12-year-old in the first grade 
because that's where he's testing at. Well, that creates other problems. So there's, there's issues going on. with this. What we've seen is the churches, many of the churches, at least one church, is stepping up to fill this gap and trying to bring the children, educate the children to get them up to speed so they can join in the regular education system there. But there's so many difficulties in all these nations that we cannot comprehend, we cannot understand until we go there. But Christ is the answer. And one thing we have to be aware of and something that I want to continue to reiterate everywhere I go and especially in America, it's not a matter of, of when the war is going to take place between good and evil. It's already, we're already engaged. It's already taken place. It has been. And when we read the Bible, we see, when we go to these Middle, Middle Eastern countries and you read the Bible, you see it's like, like the prophecies being fulfilled this very moment, this very hour. You're seeing these prophecies fulfilled. And there's so many prophecies. There's one, like I mentioned earlier, in Isaiah, it talks about the um, uh, Assyria, Egypt, and Israel being aligned. And one's like, well, how can that happen? Of course, one part is even what is Assyria? We know geographically speaking, it's Iraq. But, is, but there are Assyrian people. Is it talking about the people, the nationality, which is spread out throughout Iraq? Or is it talking about the geographical area, which is now, you know, where, what is it? Then when ISIS comes in, ISIS comes and if you may have watched the news, they've taken out entire Christian cities. They was, they was destroying. And the Christians were moving. But where were the Christians moving? They're moving into northern Iraq, into Kurdistan. Now, now almost the entire Assyrian population has now been, due to ISIS, relocated to Kurdistan. Kurdistan was, the, was instrumental to Israel becoming a nation. So the Kurds and the Israel, Israelites are very friendly. They're, they're almost one. And what we're seeing is it's, uh, if Kurdistan becomes its own independent nation, which there's now there's talks about doing that, they're going to be a number one alliance with Israel right off the bat. Uh, Netanyahu has already uh, proclaimed his declaration for support of an independent Kurdish state. Now, I just said all that to say this. The Bible prophesied that in Isaiah, that there will be this alliance. And we're watching this take place right here, right now. That's just one thing I'm saying of all the others. Say, you are a unique people. You are living in a time like no other time in history. You have an ability and an inf to influence people like never before. And the only thing Satan has to do is to get you to do nothing. All he has to do is say, it's not for me, it's for someone else. Someone else can go. Someone else can give. Someone else can do something else. Every person here needs to do something. Every person here needs to be involved in the Great Commission beyond just pro uh, proclaiming the gospel. It changes your priorities. It changes your perspective. And I tell everyone, the, the mission field, go into all the world, is not just about going and telling the gospel. It is partly that. We need to set the captives free. The people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. And they may not know if no one goes. That's right. But just as important is you need to go. You need to get out of your culture and share the gospel because God will adjust your priorities. And there's one profound thing that had a profound impact. It's strange are the things that make an impact in a person's life. But when I was young, I grew up in church. And when I was young, I went to a business meeting. And we almost split the church in the middle of this business meeting. One of the biggest fights I've ever seen among Christians on whether the baptismal door they're going to replace should be a hollow door or a solid door. And I'm thinking... 
This is what the church is fighting about. You know, we have, we have Satan running rampant outside the streets and, and, you know, nothing's changed. We're preaching, we're saying we want the gospel, but where's it at? You know, we, our priorities are messed up. But when you go overseas and you see the hurting, you see what, what the reality is, you start looking at the world through God's eyes. You become closer to God. Your, priority, your doctrine doesn't shift. Your priorities do. Suddenly that hollow or solid door is of much less importance to someone's soul that may be going to hell or, or the culture's going around outside the doors. So this is, this is what's important. It's important for us to go and get into that intimate relationship with God. And it's all about that intimacy. We need to go on a date with God. We need to go out and have shared, unique, shared experiences between us and God. And what we're seeing around the world is God is proclaiming. He's breaking out molds. These places where God is, you know, this 1040 window we hear so much about where God is not allowed. I don't know that, that God knows he's not allowed there. Um, we've, everywhere we go, we see that God is there. God is working. God is performing miracles. We see God in, in many places in the Middle East. You've heard the stories over and over again. We've known people that's done that, that has seen Christ. They've came to, they came to become a Christian, Muslims, because Christ has appeared to them personally. God is going to do it. If we don't proclaim the gospel, he is. He's drawing people in. But, whoa, I feel sorry for those whom he did call that refused. Those whom he called to do his will and decided, no, I can't. Send someone else. You know, when God calls your name and you say, here I am, Lord, send someone else. Send him. You know, this, this is not the response that we need to be in. And if, if this is our response to the God's proclaimed, God, God's message, we need to look at ourselves and say, wait a minute. God, start a revival in me. Start a revival in me. Change my heart. Change my perspective. Help me to see the world the way you see it. Our life on this earth, we're allotted, what, 70 years? Some more, some less. But 80 years, we have a very short time compared to eternity to make a difference for eternity. And we need to be proclaiming, adjusting our lives, adjusting our talk to what is important, to what makes an eternal perspective. And we're seeing it right now in Lebanon. I think there's a great opportunity here that we can influence the entire Middle East in Lebanon. I have never been so pumped and so excited. It was beyond my expectations. What we've seen there, as my wife had already mentioned, we've seen revivals. Everybody in the entire church, all the women in burkas. And when they come forward and want to be prayed for and call upon the name of the Lord, you know, it's funny how that can intimidate us a little bit. You know, we've been enough in the Middle East now to know you don't pray with somebody in a burqa. You don't pray for the Muslims because that creates problems not only for you, it creates problems for them. And they may not live till tomorrow if they, if they see this. So it becomes a problem. And then all of a sudden the whole church is coming forward. Everybody in burqa is saying, saying they want to accept Christ. They're calling upon the name of the Lord. Well, this is just mind-boggling. And you start realizing something else. Every one of us knows you can't put God in a box. I guarantee every one of you has God in a box. I have God in a box. It's just the size of the box. Our box is different depending upon our experience. But God, and truly God does not fit in the box, but all of us does have God in a box. I, I'm, I'm sorry to say it. As much as we would like to say we, as much as we know we can't do it and we shouldn't do it, and it doesn't really work, we all still try to limit God due to our experience. But when we see what God is doing around the world, we see that God can heal the sick. We see that God can raise the dead, heal, uh, bring sight to a blind man, hearing to the deaf. We see that he can bring in Muslim and give them 
the love of Jesus Christ, then we start seeing that God can truly take care of my problems, take care of what's going on in my life too, and we can trust in him to do all that he needs to do for us and know that he is more than faithful to do so. We have seen so much of what God is doing around the world. We've seen in Islam, it is true, the miracles is something. It's, it's not about miracles, but it is interesting when God performs a miracle how that's hard to deny and it pulls people into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We've had a, um, uh, and, and you may have heard me say this, but just for those of you who haven't heard me speak, our pastor right now who's in Lebanon that went to visit, when he was in Iraq, he was, his church was right up the street from a mosque, big mosque in the area. The leader of the mosque, when he would see him, he'd change, change sides of the street just so they wouldn't have to pass each other. And there was a, a little bit of a conflict. Our pastor kept trying to reach out to him, the, the imam, there would not speak. Well, after some time, the church started to grow. And as the church growth started to grow, God started performing many, many miracles in this church beyond understanding. Women who could not conceive suddenly became, they'd come, they'd pray at the church, and they'd become pregnant. Cancer was being healed so readily, so quickly, it was almost like people almost didn't even talk about healing of cancer anymore because it became the norm in this church. So it was, it was so, God was just moving in such a way the reputation started to spread. Well, soon one night, and in, in almost in the middle of the night, the wife of the imam knocked on the door and said, my son is demon-possessed. We've not been able to have dinner with him for three years. He said, uh, we can't do anything with him. He said, can you pray for him? And he said, yes, bring him here. She said, well, you have to understand, I can't bring him here. You know, I'm, I'm the wife of the imam. I can't bring him to a church. said, can you come visit us in the night? So he did, and it was after midnight. He went to their house. He said he opened the door. When he walked into the house, he said he's seen the demons around the house. I said, what do they look like? He said, they're more like shadows moving around, but you can see them. He said, I brought some anointing oil, and I anointed the doors and the windows. And I said, why? And he goes, I don't know why. He said, there's no reason. <laughs> I just did it. He said, I know it doesn't say in the Bible. I just did it. So he's, he, did, he did that. And then, then he prayed. And, and sometime then that boy was delivered. And he calmed down. And they had a meal for the first time in three years. They said that, and then he went, and they, they said that they, for, for the entire three years, they're bringing that boy to the mosque every week, every Friday to pray for him. And the mosque could not do anything. The boy accepted Christ. The mother, seeing the change in the boy, the mother of the boy accepted Christ. Then our men looked to the imam and said, would you like to accept Jesus as your savior? And the imam said, I recognize your Jesus did something that we could not do. He said, but understand my position. I cannot do that. So we didn't. And I was devastated. I said, how could he see what God has done? But our pastor turned around and said, now think about this, though. Think of what he's now preaching in that mosque. Yeah. It's going to be very different than what's preached in the other mosque because he has seen the power of God and how the power of God has touched his family. You know, who, what goes on in his heart in the future, I don't know. But I know that he cannot deny the power of God. He cannot deny the power of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. He's alive and he's well. He doesn't need our defense, but we need to be on the same side that he is. We need to follow the word that he's given us to follow. And uh, we need to make a difference. We need to in, be involved in every aspect. We need to go. We need to give. We need to pray. Um, I want to highlight um, 
one of the projects that is very, very, um, we feel very instrumental within the Great Commission and, and the whole situation that is in the Middle East today. Chuck mentioned to you the Kurdish people. You know, we've been uh, reaching out to the Kurdish people in Iraq. We started a church there in that part of the world. We reached the Kurdish people uh, in Turkey and, and in Lebanon. Uh, it's the largest minority group that exists today around the world, 24 million people that do not have their own land. So they're dispersed between various countries in the Middle East, Iraq, Iran, Turkey, Syria, and the former Soviet Union. They, the Islam was imposed on them by the Arabs because they don't have their own land. They live among Arabs. So Islam was imposed on them. But they're very, very open to the gospel message right now. And politically, they're seeking to establish their state. And uh, many political commentators, not Christian, but just, you know, uh, political commentators have said that all the events that are happening in the Middle East right now, the crisis in Syria, the war in Iraq, it all is uh, creating a favorable situation for the Kurds to have their own land. And, you know, it was impossible for Israel to be a nation. It was impossible for Israel to have a land, but God established them as a land. And we believe that if the Kurds call upon the name of the Lord, that he will establish them as a nation. If they become established as a nation, it completely shifts the whole situation in the Middle East because suddenly Israel is going to have an ally in the Middle East. Suddenly there is going to be a Christian nation right in the middle of all the chaos that is happening. So as Christians, how many of you, I want you to say with me, I am empowered. I am empowered. I am the light of the world. I am the light of the I world. I have the power to influence world events. I have the power to influence world events. You know, our military fights the darkness with bullets and weapons. We fight the darkness just by being us, by can't being the light and cancering the darkness. And so we felt that <coughs> reaching out to the Kurdish people and proclaiming the gospel to them is one of the top priorities. It's not just our ministry. Many ministries across America have recognized that are reaching out to the Kurds. So our next mission, I'm going to empower you with an assignment and, and make you a part of this. Um, so our next mission is to my homeland, the former Soviet Union. We're going to the Republic of Georgia, which is the south of Russia, and Armenia. These are two uh, small countries, both of them south of Russia, between Russia and Turkey. We're going there specifically to reach the Kurdish people that are there. Some of them have been living there for years. Some of them are refugees that came, escaped the crisis in Syria and Iraq. So we're going to reach out to them. Now, there are three aspects to the Great Commission as we talk. So some of you, God is calling to pray. I want you to pray that God will open doors for us to reach these people. You know that the Kurds, their native religion is worshiping Satan. Yes, there's something worse than Islam. Well, there's nothing worse then, I mean, it's all bad if you're not worshiping Jesus, so there's no worse or better. But um, so their native religion is the worship of Satan. And then some of them are Muslims, but they are hungry right now for the gospel message. So we need your prayers that God will open their hearts and God will create divine connections between us and them to be able to proclaim the gospel to them. 
And number two, of course, is to go. And some of you may be stirred today. You know, before you leave, I want you to come to our table. And on our table, we have the prayer cards for the nations where we go. We work in 20 nations around the world. I want each one of you to randomly pick up a prayer card. Don't overthink it. Don't try to choose it. Just stretch your hand and pick one. I don't believe in accidents. You don't believe in accidents. If God has you pick up a card, he wants you to pray for this nation. On each card, you will find the facts about the nation, the needs that they have, and how you can pray for them. Put it on your fridge and pray. Pray. This is your part. This is your season. Pray. Every single one of us can pray. You will be amazed how it's going to shift your whole life. And suddenly God is going to send people from these nations across your path. And, and suddenly you're going to start receiving facts about this country you never knew. And, and God is going to give you this nation as your inheritance. Yeah. And then you can also give. You know, the way the local pastors proposed for us to reach these Kurds, especially in Armenia, we're going to go to a very remote area, and uh, they live in very simple homes that the only source of heat and light is a stove, a wood stove. And the pastor said, if you can bless them with firewood that will help them through the winter, it may open doors for us to minister. So we, we um, set aside 30 families that we want to reach, and it's only $100 per family to provide firewood for them for the winter. So this is our most immediate goal right now is to provide firewood for these 30 families. And, you know, as I was praying about it, I thought, we're coming to them with the light of God's truth. And we're going to give them the physical light for their homes, the warmth, you know, uh, that comes from the fire in their stove. And I thought this is so beautiful that we can bless them in the physical realm with light. And we can bless them in the spiritual realm with the light of Jesus. And so I just want to ask you to pray that God will equip us and enable us to accomplish that. This is going to happen in September, September 5th. Uh, through the 15th that we're going to be ministering there. I believe God for miracles. I believe God for breakthroughs. Most and above all, I believe God for souls. For souls that we're going to win for eternity for Jesus. Their situation may be desperate now, but their future is glorious. And this applies to every single one of us here. Just like Doc said, our future glory is so much greater than our past glory. Amen. Thank you, Brother Jack, for allowing us to share. I'm uh, going to turn it over to you unless Chuck had something to uh, add to it. And, you know, we have enough stories to keep you here for another two, three weeks. But, you know, I heard, um, I heard a saying somewhere, Blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. And so I believe in that, and so we're going to keep it to that. So, Brother Jack. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you. God Praise bless God. You. We bless you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Boy, if you didn't get something out of that, you fell asleep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. That's right. Now, the question is, is what size is your box? 90-year-old ladies on the mission field in Lebanon, not in London. <laughs> Think about that. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I want you to, 
How many of you said, how many of you have said, Lord, here am I in your heart at any time? The rest of you need to get saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I'm dead serious. If you have not said, here am I, you're not saved. Not, I'm not trying to be hard. But there are Christians in nations that are Christians with a C on it that simply says it's a belief system, but it's not I believe and I receive and I'm yielded. A true Christian is yielded. A born-again Christian is born again to do something. And they're, going, they're born again to go ye in our hearts, in our billfolds. It really is. A yielded vessel is the only vessel that God really is glorified in. The yielded vessel. So I wasn't trying to be happy. I'm not talking about now maybe you misunderstood what I said. I'm talking about just in your life before the Lord God, how many of you have said, Lord, in your heart, my life is yours, here am I. How many of you said that? Okay. Now, that means every day of our life. Okay, and so all I'm asking you to do is to say, Lord, remember that commission that you made. When I was called to the Lord, Brother Doc asked me, are you called yesterday? Are you called or not, Pastor Jack? <laughs> called to do what? I said, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do, and I'll say anything you want me to say. I think the Lord says, do you mean it? <laughs> if you mean it, you say, here am I. Amen. Saying here am I means I can be inconvenienced. I can be redirected. I can be reprogrammed. I must be about my Oh, I'm sorry for that. For you, you don't understand that. Sometimes the Holy Ghost just gets all over me, and I don't subject it. The Spirit of God is here today. And thank God I'm so excited because he's here today for an eternal reason. He has connected us creepy people <laughs> with an eternal purpose that we can't even conceive. It's more than we can ever believe. This life is nothing. We're going to live eternally with a God who is a creator, and I don't know what he's going to continue to create, but the Lord, how many know the universe is continually expanding? I don't know what God's going to do, but he called you and me the least of these. Come and follow me, and I'll make you. Come on. Hallelujah. He's called us. He's commissioned us. He's confirmed us. And by his grace, and his grace alone, his love, his goodness, his mercy, he is conforming us as we yield to him to be his witnesses in the earth. To be his disciples. To be his messengers, his sent ones. I didn't just get saved to come to church on Sunday. You didn't just get You might have thought you did. But religion has ruined you. I'm serious. I'm trying to be serious. I, I'm praying for his deliverance from the boxes that have been created that he never asked us to get him in or ourselves in. Hallelujah. So I, I, I guess I'm still preaching along what I feel the Holy Spirit is doing. And uh, we thank God in heaven for what he's doing. And I, the reason why I'm doing this, I, I can feel. It's like yesterday, Lynn and I had to say, where was it when it was pouring down rain? The other day we sat on the porch, and uh, we're trying to sit on the porch. You had to actually go in because the porch started getting flooded. 
but I can sense the rain of his presence here, softening the soil of our hearts, preparing us for a, as a fertile field to bring forth fruit unto perfection. To perfection. I wish I had one of them. What's that guy's name? Benny Hinn? Pick him up, pick him up. I wish I had one of them. Just do that and let you all go out in about 45 minutes, wake you up and say, hey, where you been? <laughs> Hopefully in the presence of the Lord and say, I've heard from God. I'm getting up. I'm going differently than I came. You don't just get knocked down to stay down and get up and say, ooh, that was nice getting knocked down. You get knocked down to change you, to send you out differently than you came in. Come on, if we just let him have his way, he will glorify his name. Say that with me. If I'll let him have his way, he will glorify his name. Again, if I'll let him have his way, he'll glorify his name. Here am I. Would you bow your heads? I'm just asking you to ask the Lord this morning. We are going to take up an offering, and I'm not trying to pump offerings. We don't pump offerings. We provoke you to love and good works. That's scriptural admonition. Provoking one another to love and good works. Why? Because we're rewarded for the works. How, I had a man, let me, while you got your heads bowed, I'm going to tell you his name. His name is, uh, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. I, heard, I just heard him. He's, he's a, he had 5,000-member church, and he stepped away from it. Keep your music real loud or low, if you would, please. Uh, I don't want you to play. It's wonderful, but I just want you to keep it a little lower. So here, here's, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. I just had the guy's mention. Anyway, 5,000-member church in, 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 in just a few years. Frank is, yeah, thank you. You said that. Francis Chan. He stepped away from that because he said, I got sick of watching people, God make people millionaires and them continuing to give 5 to 10% of their income after taxes and living on their millions that God had prospered them with. So there's a money issue that is my heart right with God. And I'm just saying this to let him deal with you. First time God asked me to give, he asked me to give $100 to a missionary from Haiti. I said, Lord, I don't have $100. And, and so I thought, well, make sure I'm not lying. Pick up my billfold, didn't have $100. That's Lynn said, you got any money on you? She said, no, no money on you. So I said, I don't have $100. So what about your checking account? Looking checking account, honey, you got $100 checking account? Nope, don't have $100 checking account. So I said, Lord, I don't have $100. He said, what about that savings account? I said, well, I'm trying to save $1,000 to buy a $10,000 house. You got to have 10% down. And the Lord said to me, oh, that's your money. I gave that $100, and it wasn't a matter of weeks or months. I bought a house for $10,000, didn't have enough money for the money down, and a lady that we didn't even know who was the vice president of, the, of giving loans called us and said, you don't know me, but I've sat in the back of the church where you go, and I've watched Lord, the Lord dealing in your lives and watched you and your wife, and God has prompted me to give you the loan, and I'm going to co-sign for the side note and give you a year to pay it off because you can't buy the house with your credit or with your money. Everybody say, if I let him have his way, he'll glorify his name. My ways are not your ways, the Lord said. They're past finding out. So I'm asking you, first of all, pray in these ways. Go. Be thinking about it. I tell people, everybody ought to have a passport because if he calls you, you're not ready to go, you can't go. Get a passport. <clears throat> Seriously. Second of all, get ready to give. How do you do that? Plan your living in order for your giving. If you're spending everything that God gives you, you've never really accessed, you've never really made yourself available to God. I can't give if I'm living so high on the hog in my paycheck that I'm, well, I'm living within my means. Well, if you live with your means going from paycheck to paycheck, maybe you need to bring it down a notch. 
Sell that car. Sell that truck. Get a less expensive one. Sell that house. Move into one that's less expensive. Utilities and everything else. See, we prepare ourselves to go by yielding. It's all things I've done. I'm not preaching anything to you I've not done. And I don't mean to scold you. I'm trying to minister to you. If you get this, say, I love you, and I say, amen. I'm really speaking to you from the Holy Spirit. Just trying to instruct you some. So anyway, that's going. That's giving. And what was the next one? Praying. Can I yield myself to pray? What a wonderful, that's a wonderful plan you have, uh, Chuck, and how a wonderful way to just put it on your, on your ice box, on your refrigerator. Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. And I know I've taken some time here to encourage your people to simply love like Jesus loved, not under obligation, not being forced, but simply yield to you in whatever sense you've called them and enabled them and graced us to do. You don't ask us to do any more than you ask us to do. And we ask you, Lord, speak to my heart and mind and help us to yield to you and not reason in my mind, but to simply listen to the Holy Spirit and obey and glorify your name in Jesus Christ's name. Okay, if you make your checks out to, I think you just make them out to Resurrection Life, we give you one big check. They do that through that. Uh, I guess you wanted to give to WMA. You can do it that way too, but it'll make things easier if you do it to Resurrection Life or if you have cash, you can put it in there. Amen. And continue to pray about these. Now, give them, give them a chance, guys. I'm gonna, I, I've been kind of holding them up. Don't take your offering yet. Caleb, just stay right there, buddy. Thank you for your help. Just if you just take, give them just a minute or so to fill out a check, so what do they want to do? So, Sister Pam, can you just lead us in a song? And, and, and while we're doing this as well, you're going to give. It's 1129. And uh, if you have needs today, physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, I want you to come to the altar if you, if you want to come with faith to receive you can receive while you're at, but we'd like to lay hands on those that are here. Just believe that God's going to touch you, minister to you before you go. We don't want to let you go without the Holy Spirit, uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to minister to you however you need prayer or a touch from God. Father, we thank you and praise you that God is able to do all things, and with God, all things are possible. Amen. People having children that want children that couldn't have children, Abraham and Sarah, praise God, a wonderful testimony. And this testimony we got to receive today, healings and miracles things that are heavenward come to earth and we thank you and praise you for it. Let their kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Glorify your name, Father. We love you and praise you and thank you for the opportunity to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of your family, to be children of the most high God, called, gifted, chosen. Hallelujah. Woo! Praise the Lord. Promised an eternal blessing and eternal reward. We rejoice in you, Lord. We love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus Christ's name. The Lord God bless you as you give. And as you release, don't forget to go by the table. You can visit with Doc, visit with Chuck and Helen. Take a couple more minutes. Amen. And uh, God bless you as you go in Jesus' name. Amen. So altars are open. Yes, sir. Okay. Pastor Mike said to help them back there when they count this up. Put the money in the envelope and write the amount down and then for missions, right? Just missions or help WMA or whatever you want to do and then we will we will get it to them. Thank you. How many of you have been blessed this morning? If you would just, I, I'm serious. If you've been blessed this morning, would you lift up your hand, cry out loud, thank you Jesus or something. Just do something to thank you. We just worship him and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Todd. Chuck, hallelujah. Thank you, Doc. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing around the world. We pray for this mission. 
We pray for the uh, World Missions Alliance. We pray for the nations around the world. Break down the strongholds. Open the doors. Remove the curses. Take away the blockades and send forth, oh God, labors into the field of harvest. And we praise you and thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray.